Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. My name is Wes, pastor of student ministries here at North Bible Church. Glad you're here. We are in a series called There's No Place Like Home. And essentially, uh, our staff, different folks, are sharing what the Lord has laid on our heart and what, where we are going in our relationship with God, what we're hearing, what we're sensing, uh, what we're seeing in God's Word. And so we get a chance to, to share this morning. Glad uh, to be with you. Uh, you know, so, you know, a few things that, you know, I've gone out and been able to do recently. A few weeks ago, um, I went on a hike at the Grand Canyon. And if you want to do something miserable, you can do what, what I did and hike rim to rim to rim without stopping. And um, so, <clears throat> full disclosure, the first year of our marriage, you know, wasn't perfect. That was my number one miserable moment was a few of those times where we were just trying to figure it out. Number one in my life, okay? Hiking this rim to rim to rim the last five miles, number two. <laughs> horrible, horrible. Um, but we survived and, and we made it and so, I'm here to tell the story. Also, a couple weeks ago, you know, a few weeks ago, our daughter graduated from high school, and we got a chance to celebrate her, take her on a trip. My wife and I uh, went to the ocean. You'll, you'll hear a little bit more about that. Had a, had a great time uh, out there. And then also this last week, went to a camp near San Diego, got a chance to be a part of that. And at this camp, um, we were able to, you know, uh, see these uh, things that just really changed our life, and they're, they're called life hacks, Okay. And, you know, you may want to just start taking notes right now because uh, you can tell it's going to be very important uh, for your life. But uh, a life hack, if you love animals, if you love the zoo interaction, you know, one thing that could change your life is if you, when you go to the zoo, wear clothes that the employees wear. The animals will come right up to you. <laughs> you know, wear what the trainers wear, and then they may think you're a trainer, and they come up, oh, I love you, and then they grab you, and it's great. And so, um, and then another one, uh, my son will take credit for this, but I don't think he's the one who did it. I'll take credit. But um, if, if you do this with your phone, you can make a lantern. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. Huh? 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 Boom. Life change right there. <laughs> Just like that. You can take a water bottle and your phone, and you become the coolest person ever. Um, I'm going to pray as we uh, jump into our passage here this morning. Uh, God. Uh, you're here with us. Uh, you've given us uh, this word uh, during the first service, and uh, right now, God, so we just uh, thank you in advance uh, for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. So one of the things that struck me uh, recently and even uh, brought up at this last camp is, is uh, just simply honesty, um, what it means to be honest, and there are lots of different facets to honesty or the truth, uh, and we're going we're gonna to flesh a, a little bit of those out today. Uh, but, but Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and it's the truth that will set you free. And these are the words of Christ. And one thing that's interesting about honesty is it's, it's something that happens within, and it's something that is projected out. So what do I mean by that? You know, truth um, and honesty happens within us. It's something that we need to choose to embrace or not. In our heart, in our mind, uh, we can choose to be honest about 
ourselves, other people, God, or we can choose to uh, not be honest about ourselves, others, and God. And this is also something that we project outward. What are we being authentic in who we are and then projecting our honest, true, real, authentic self to other people, to the Lord? Um, are we being honest within and are we being honest with how we interact with others? And then we also see that honesty has to do with, with you, has to do with me. Uh, our honesty with the Lord, our honesty within the church body, we're called to be unified, honest, authentic with one another, and then our on honesty with others outside of the body of Christ. And we're going to look at Jonah 1 and 2 this morning. If you have a Bible, Bible app, uh, you can pull that up, check it out. version is also there. A lot of it's going to be on the screen. We're going to look at the passage of Jonah this morning, and Jonah teaches us some really cool lessons about honesty and what God gets to do through honesty. And we'll just start with verses 1 through 3 here. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Okay, we already know that Jonah has a relationship with God. One, he heard God speak to him. So, I mean, you have that. Uh, he knows God. He worships God. And in this moment, we start to see Jonah turn from what he knows is true. He starts off not being honest with himself. One, it wouldn't be fun to be honest about this one and do what God said because this wasn't a fluffy, fun, like awesome message that he got to give the people of Nineveh. This is, this is judgment and destruction. Jonah's got to be with God like, um, couldn't I like tell them they're going to have victory over some you know, group of people or they're going to have a time of blessing or can't I sh share with them, you know, they're going to have peace and joy? No, this is a message of judgment. So what Jonah chooses to do is to deny what he already knows is true. He's not, he's not being honest with himself. One, that God, that he should do this and he will do this, but that he can get away from God somehow. He already knows he can't get away from God. He already knows what the message is. He already knows there's going to be consequences, and yet he chooses to deny what is, he knows to be true. And we do that sometimes, right? We can know something to be true about ourselves, about someone else, about God, and yet we can, we can turn, turn from what is true and go a different direction. We do that at times, and there's, there's consequences of it, but when we embrace what is true, we get to experience um, God's mercy. So Jonah hears this message, and then he runs the other direction. He's denying what he knows to be true about God and himself. And here, here's what happens in the rest of Jonah 1 and 2. One, he gets on a ship. Okay, so he's supposed to go this direction. He goes the opposite direction, and then now he's going to, he went as far as he can in this direction, but there's now water. So he wants to go further. So then he gets on a ship to go this way. And he's with other people on the ship. And these crazy winds come about, stormy winds. Like, not just a little bit of waves, but crazy, scary, fierce winds. 
Now, you know, like I said, a couple weeks ago, we went to the, to the ocean with, with our daughter. We were in Rocky Point, and we actually took a boat out to this place called Bird Island. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But on the way out, we're doing this over these break waves that are breaking. And we're front of the boat's hitting, and water's coming up. <clears throat> Raise your hand if you've ever felt seasick. Okay, that's a real thing. All right? So people are doing what seasick people do. And it's exciting. Uh, but these, these are just normal, like, fairly, you know, low tide waves that we're going over. This is nothing like what Jonah and the people on the ship are experiencing. They're experiencing what they think is going to bring them to death. They're, they're so scared. These crazy winds are coming. They, they think they're going to die. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on. In the meantime... Jonah is asleep. You have people who work on the boat, live on the boat. These are sailors. These are people who are all the time, and they are scared for their life. Things are, are crashing in, and yet Jonah sleeps. It's always struck me as to how he could do that. One, there's no way I was going to sleep on that boat a couple weeks ago, and that was just, that was mild. Here's why I think Jonah was sleeping. Because it's exhausting running from God. I think he was exhausted from running from God, from denying what he knows to be true. That is hard work. It's exhausting. It weighs on you. And when we're able to embrace what is true, that weight, one, is just gone, and two, we get to be a part of what God's doing. He's exhausted from running from the Lord. And then the folks on the boat, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Why is this crazy thing happening? You know, this wasn't in my, you know, my app. We, the weather's not supposed to be like this. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. So they cast lots. They, you know, they throw these rocks or pebbles, these things that are supposed to tell them what is true. And they sort of believe them because they're like, okay, it points to Jonah. Jonah is the reason this is happening. So they, they go and they wake up Jonah somehow. They wake him up. And they think they know that it's Jonah's fault. And then they say to Jonah, what's going on? And then Jonah says, I worship God. Throw me over. So we're starting to see a change in Jonah's heart and spirit and demeanor right now. He's acknowledging what is true. It's me. I, I tried to run. I couldn't. I, I worship God. I'm the problem. Throw me overboard. And this is not a throw me overboard so I can swim to shore and it'll be all fun and dandy and you guys can go on your way. This is a throw me overboard to kill me. That's the reality of what's going on here. You, you, I, I need to die for you guys to be saved. So that's, that's not first option for them. They don't want to do that. So they continue to row, row, row your boat. So they just keep going through the storm. All right, ready? Let's sing that. Ready? Row, 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 row. And it'll be awesome. Okay. I've always wanted to direct a choir. You guys could be. All right. So they continue. They're like, yeah, we casted lots. It said Jonah. Jonah says, yes, it's me. Worship God. I, I, don't, I really don't want to send this person to his death. Is the reality of it. So they keep going. And then they figure out this is not going to change. So they do throw Jonah over to his death. That's the reality. And in that moment, we have this awesome 
story from the Lord. There's no reason for us to believe that it's not historically true or literal. The principles would still be the same that we see from the passage today, even if it's not literally true. But there's no reason for us to believe that it's not a historical event. This happened. So a great fish comes and swallows up Jonah. A great fish swallows up Jonah. Not many people get to experience that and live to tell the story. Jonah is swallowed up. And I've always seen that as a scary thing. I kind of always pictured, oh, it's my fault, throw me overboard. And Jonah's like doing the backstroke towards the land and whatnot. But he, he knew he was going to be thrown to his death. And this fish is an act of mercy from God because Jonah would have died in that water. What's more crazy about the fish swallowing him up is his prayer. Jonah is in the belly of a whale, belly of a fish, and he starts praying. I would have one prayer, and it would be super short. Help. That's it. Or you, you got to do this. Save me. But that's not what Jonah does. His prayer is fascinating. This is his prayer. In the belly of the fish, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. So he's speaking in past tense about his crying out to the Lord, which, which I believe is, I cried out to the Lord as I went into the water. I knew I was going to die, and he saved me. He answered me. How did he answer him? I, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath the wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once, once toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked and shut forever. He's speaking in past tense. He's seen God's mercy by being in the belly of a fish. Because Jonah said, it's me, I worship God, throw me over. This is what has to happen. He starts to be honest with himself, honest with the people around him, honest with God. God shows his mercy. And in the fish, this is his prayer. He says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. So the jaws of death he's referring to here is the water. God's a crazy God because it's, he's ironic, right? He snatched me from the jaws of death in the water and put me into these other jaws of death over here. And my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in the Holy Temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on God's mercies. Those who believe something that isn't true, live out something that isn't true, turn their backs on some of God's mercies. And then he finishes with his prayer with what I would have started with. I'll fulfill all my vows for salvation comes from the Lord alone. I'll, I'll do what you ask me to, Lord. You're, you, you are God, is what he's saying. I 
I think I would have started there. Because when he gets to that point, the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Another act of God's mercy as a result of Jonah again and more being honest with himself and honest with God that he is Savior. He, salvation only comes from him, that he will fulfill his vows, and then mercy again, he's out of the fish. What we're talking about today is this, honesty with yourself plus honesty with God equals the power of God. Honesty with yourself plus honesty with God equals the power of God. Everyone in this room would probably say, yes, I want to experience the power of God. I want to see God. I want the power of God in my life. And I'm here to tell you from the, the book of Jonah this morning, and what the Lord is teaching me is, it requires honesty with yourself and with the Lord. Now, can God show mercy without you being honest with yourself or Him? Sure. He's God. He can do that. But are there times we are denied the power of God in our life or seeing God because of lack of honesty or believing lies? Here's some reasons to not be honest with yourself. Let's just be real here, right? There are a lot of reasons that we would not want to be honest with ourselves. One, it requires stopping. We're pretty busy people. We have a lot of things that we are pouring our lives into, whether it's work or school or hobbies, or even when we're not out doing stuff, we're still, we're still filling our minds with, with thoughts, with things that, are just, that make us feel busy with shows and distraction. At times, we just need to stop. And in order to be honest with yourself, we need to stop. And in that stopping, it takes time and energy. This is a reason we may not want to be honest with ourselves because we won't have to stop. And then in that stopping, we, have, we take the time and the energy to be introspective, to reflect, to consider our motives, our thoughts, why we're doing what we're doing, the good, the bad, lies that we're believing that we need to, to call them lies and believe what is true. That takes time and energy, so we don't want to do it. Um, ignorance is bliss. And you see little kids running around sometimes and, you know, ignorance is bliss. They have no idea they're going to smash their head against that table or whatever. They're just running around. You know, when we were out going towards Bird Island on the boat. We finally got there, <clears throat> and there's seals everywhere. There's like 4,000 seals on this island. There's little baby ones that are cute, and there's like teenager seals. I don't know what that means, but that's what they told us. So they're, you know, big but smaller. And then there's these ginormous seals that are just, you know, got flab everywhere and making like really rough noises and stuff. And they said, if you're in the water and they start blowing bubbles, they're, they're upset that are marking their territory, and you need to swim away quickly. But, you know, I'm kind of just, swim we're swimming out there, and we're like, oh, it's so cute, look at that one over there, and how oh, cool, that one jumped in the water, and this was up in the rock, and this is, ignorance was bliss. Because then I took my mask, and I looked down into the water, and I saw all of them swimming around me, blowing bubbles, like, get out of here, you person. 
And they're swerving at us. And, and I mean, they were literally trying to intimidate us as we kept getting closer to the rocks, closer to the babies, closer. And ignorance was bliss. When I head was above and I had no idea what was going on in the ocean around me, it was great. When it, when it comes to being honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't do it because if we discover that thing, if we acknowledge that thing, it's not, it's not quite as comfortable. It's not quite as easy. Uh, the truth may be painful. Sometimes the truth hurts, and it's hard to embrace. The truth may require change or action. If we realize something, it may require us to, to do something about it. So if we just choose not to acknowledge it, then we don't have to do anything with it. Let's pretend that I rely too much on caffeine and coffee and that my six shots of espresso in the morning would indicate so. Let's pretend that that's a thing. So that's right here. You rely on caffeine too much. Okay, so what I can do is I can deny it. No, I'm good. I, I can quit any time. I'm fine. Or I can, I can kind of like look at it every now and then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm addicted to caffeine. Or I can fully embrace it, and I can then say, all right, this is who I am. I rely on it too much for joy, or you know, I, maybe I should refrain every now and then as my heart is pumping too much so. Sometimes we're not honest with ourselves because it requires change or action. It requires others' help as well. Proverbs 27 says that as iron sharpens iron, sometimes we can believe about ourselves that we're really patient. And then we interact with someone who makes us feel very impatient. We need other people to have a true, honest look about ourselves. So we need to continue interacting, continue having relationships, building relationships, deep relationships, because it reveals something about us. But that's one reason why we wouldn't be honest with ourselves is because it could require those relationships. And then the process, frankly, never ends. So one reason we wouldn't want to be honest with ourselves is because it's something that once, once you embrace something, you know, you're, you're acknowledging it, and you're talking about it with people or whatever, then you can't, you're not done. We're never done. So, you know, why start? This, this is a never-ending process. Some reasons to be honest with yourself. Uh, Jesus modeled it. He was honest with himself about his, the people he was with, his friends. Some were great, some were not. He was honest with himself about his own sadness, his own hunger, his own, you know, wonderings of what's going to happen in certain moments. He just, he had to be honest with himself, and then he could be honest with God about exactly where he was at. Obedience. We're called throughout Scripture to be honest with others, with the Lord, with ourselves. It takes less energy in the long run to, be, to just be honest with ourselves right up front. Because eventually you're going to have to deal with that thing when you continue to deny it. It takes less energy in the long run. It's, it's the truth. We might as well embrace it. If it's true about you, you might as well call it what it is and embrace it so you can move on and be as whole as possible. 
It's less painful in the long run. Uh, you know, I know all of your relationships are perfect, including your marriages. My wife and I are not quite perfect all the time. Uh, sometimes we're not always honest with what we're thinking or feeling inside, and so we kind of just stuff it and hold it in there, and then every now and then something happens, and then boom, it explodes out, and it becomes more painful in the long run when we haven't acknowledged what is true and brought it into the light as time went on. But it bursts forth and creates more pain in the long run. Creates freedom. When you are able to acknowledge exactly who you are and exactly who God has designed you to be, it makes it a whole lot easier to say yes to this or to say no to that. It creates a freedom. When we know who we are and what we're called to do, there's freedom in that. Sin and unhealth, another reason to be honest with yourself is that sin and unhealth thrives in the darkness. So being honest with yourself shines light into a dark place. You know, it's been said that, that sin and unhealth, when, when it gets to operate on its own without any light inside, just, it just creates tentacles that go everywhere. It attaches itself to other things and it just gets to thrive. But when we're honest with ourselves, honest with the Lord, it shines light in that dark place and doesn't allow it to do that. And it leads to us seeing God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. In order for us to have a pure heart, we have to be truthful. We have to embrace the truth. We can't have a pure heart without it. If you want to see God, then you'll be true. You'll be pure of heart and of mind. Reasons to be honest with yourself, here's the last one. It's required to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with God. We saw it with Jonah. He denied what he knew about God and ran. Once he was able to be honest with himself, then he was able to be honest with the Lord. I have sat down I like to go to Starbucks, put my music on, get my computer out, and journal. That's just how, that's my space. I don't know why. Can't do a dark room, quiet. That just, this is where I go. I've sat down to spend time with God, and I've tried to tell God things that aren't true. You ever done that? You ever written or tried to convince yourself in your head or typed out, and it's like, thank you, God, for making me such a good dad this week. I'm, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> You're good. And there, there's times when I, I'm actually literally trying to convince God something that I know is not true. Stupid, first of all. But in order for me to really approach God honestly, I have to uh, believe who I am, understand who I am, understand the good and the bad about myself, and then take those to the Lord. It's a requirement. The rest of Jonah, chapters 3 and 4, Jonah delivers the message, this convicting message to Nineveh. And the leader, the king, says, yes, you're right. And all its people said, yes, we were living in a wicked way. Now we want to live a godly way. And then Nineveh repents. And God shows mercy. And Nineveh, the king and its people, 
then started believing what was true. And as a result of that truth, God then gets to show his mercy. Jonah's a weird guy because then he gets mad. Why did you show your mercy to these Ninevites? You said that you were going to destroy them. You could have just, you know, shown your mercy without me coming here, right? Couldn't you have done that, God? Like, you're God, and you could have done that. Why'd you send me? Now I look silly, God. I told them they're going to be destroyed, you know, the wicked ways. This is what you told me to say, and now you're showing mercy, and he's not going to be destroyed. So he feels silly. But even in Jonah's anger, catch this, even in Jonah's anger, he's being honest with himself. And he's being honest with God. So even in his anger and frustration with the Lord, he tells it to the Lord, he goes over to the, another part of the city because he's kind of pouting. And he's saying to God, you know, I'd rather die. You know, you did this thing. And he's, a, he's an emotional guy, apparently. And, but in his honesty, in his frustration with the Lord, God then gets to show his mercy because of his honesty. So he sends this tree, this plant, that covers over him. It's hot. He's suffering. He sends this, this tree, this plant. It grows over like almost instantly. And Jonah's comforted. And he's like, oh, okay, your mercy's God. You know, the great. And then God's, he's, he's silly sometimes, right? Then he sends a worm. God sends a worm and it destroys the plant, destroys the tree. And so Jonah's mad again. He's angry, but he's taken his anger and his, his honesty to the Lord again. And then God basically is saying this is a lesson about mercy who are you to decide who I get to be merciful to Jonah is a book about God's mercy but almost every time that we see God's mercy God's power in the book we see something before we see someone coming to the truth we see someone deciding to embrace what is true and in that moment, then God reveals his mercy. Honesty with yourself plus honesty with God equals the power of God. We get to see God when we're honest. Honest with ourselves and with him. So what's the truth about you? If you got out a piece of paper or a computer, a blank and you wrote your name at the top, and you just you said go, and you just started writing things, you started typing things, everything about you, what, what is true about you? Now, you know, sometimes for some of us in this, in this room, when you're like, oh, what's true about me? They're going to start listing all the negative things. Okay, that's important. If it's true, then, then that's part of who you are. And that's part of acknowledging that and taking it to the Lord and then allowing God's mercy and power to come through it. But we also need to acknowledge what's true about ourselves that's good, that's from the Lord, that blesses other people, that is successful. Because sometimes the evil one likes to steal, kill, and destroy and spit little lies and tell us that, you know, we're, we're, we're not good enough or even you shouldn't feel good about this thing that you participated in that went really well because you should feel guilty. Some of us need to be honest about what's going well, about who we are 
and not a lie, not a tape that plays in our head that tells us that we're something that we're not. So what, what's the truth about you? A couple, you know, just to be, you know, transparent with you guys, I have a couple things about me. One, you know, one that's negative, one's positive, I'll, I'll share with you. Something that's true about me is uh, I believe lies at times in my life uh, that, that any part of me that has fat on it, you know, makes me look ugly. Oh, that's an insecurity. Insecurities aren't always rational. Uh, but that's, that's an insecurity that I've had to, one, acknowledge and own and embrace about myself and then take that to the Lord and allow God to, to speak into that, to take away the power of that over me, to acknowledge what, what's true, embrace it, take it to the Lord, and then he gets to speak into that and just say, that means nothing to me. I, I see your heart. That's what I care about. How, how, what's the fruit of your life? That's what I care about. So there's, you know, there's a truth on the negative side. On the positive side is I do a decent, I do, I do a good job of helping people process through things, asking questions. And that's a, that's a truth I need to embrace. And I get to take that truth to the Lord. And I, I've helped friendships start because of the process questions that we ask that we, we process in there, and friendships have started because of that. Friendships have changed because of the questions that we've asked and we've processed through. Friendships have changed or ended or, or a season of separation. Friendships have also stayed together because of that counsel. That's, that's a negative and a positive. That I know that to be true about myself. So if you sat down piece of paper, a blank Word document, and you just said, go. You started writing everything about yourself. One of the things you'll find is that you'll need to acknowledge what is not true about you. That someone has said, that's something you believe, a, a tape that plays in your head over and over, whatever it is, because if it's not true about you, then, then saying that it's not true is part of being honest with yourself, and then you can take that honesty to the Lord and then see the power of God. So when you, when you look at what's true about you, be honest, take it to the Lord, and see what happens. My encouragement to you this week, today, sometime, just pause. Just put your name down and just go. And see what the Lord does with that. And we'll do that together. Like God, we just thank you um, for Jonah's life that um, like us, he made mistakes and went his certain ways, but at the end would be honest with himself and with you. Um, I pray that we can do that, even in this moment, as you may be even whispering into our hearts and our minds something true about ourselves. Allow us to embrace it with courage and boldness and remember your death, your resurrection and salvation through you. Your name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.